conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at slicktalkmedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time. So if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's rentals.torescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to, again, provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Good morning. Oh, no. little little tired. I was in uh, Texas twice last week in, in a wedding over the weekend in Houston. So just uh, bouncing back, man. Bouncing you can back, see it. Like... You, had a t- you had some tough days. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> the, world, the world is back to, to mostly normal here in uh, parts of America and and it's exhausting, you know, you're, you're, you aren't quite used to it anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think that was Michael's way of saying you look like crap, but I don't know if that was uh, uh, 
Always sharp as always, Michael. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. Uh, Freshen up a little better next week for you, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Get, get some coffee. At least you got a haircut this time, uh, Mr. Ross. Uh, no, I just put like in here. No, it's, like, <laughs> it's so long. It's really bad. <laughs> just brush. I said nothing. It's not, the recovery is starting here a bit, but still, I just, uh, I have to go to hairdresser once, but then let's see. Yeah. That's awesome. You don't, you don't well, see uh, the back, you see? So that's, that's why. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Well, uh, yeah, we took a week off. Lots, uh, lots happened. It's the first time we've actually taken a week off since we started the show back in what November, twenty twenty, October, October. One of those two. Yeah. So good stuff. Glad that we. It was hard. Yeah, I missed you hard. guys a lot. Like last Monday, I was kind of really sad and and depressed and thinking about both of you. Um, yeah. I was listening at four o'clock, just well, my time nine o'clock. This is an old podcast, just to stay there because it was a difficult <laughs> moment. No, I, I feel it. Well, uh, it's it's been a good week, though. We've we've all been very busy, uh, and I'm really excited because we get to actually welcome a guest on today, uh, which we've only had about maybe three or four guests on the show that we ever since we started. We have had Leo, uh, we've had Tim Jerome and Jerome, yeah. and yeah. So uh, yeah, welcoming our fourth guest today, we have Cindy, who is the CEO of Orion House. So we're gonna welcome her. In. Good morning, well, good morning, Cindy. Good morning. Welcome. This is awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Well, um, we've been we've all been talking behind the scenes for a while, and uh, just really excited to finally get to announce this whole deal of yours that just uh, not just went public, but uh, was recently announced. And so, before we get into that uh, big announcement for the audience who's listening, who's watching live, who's watching the replay want to give us a quick intro to who you are, your background, and kind of what you do uh, in regards to Orion House as a whole. Absolutely. Um, my name is Cindy Diffendorfer. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Orion House. Um, we are essentially a hospitality management company that focuses on home sharing as a business. Um, we lease up multifamily apartment communities and then let those residents do home sharing. Um, I started out in this industry as a host on Airbnb in 2011. So I've been um, in the hospitality industry in that sense uh, from the host perspective for about 10 years. Um, most of my career was spent in and around hotels, bars, restaurants, casinos, et cetera. Um, prior to entering the real estate and hospitality sector, I worked uh, in beer and wine, um, launched a company. A company couple companies there uh, doing keg wine, um, which is just draft wine for, for bars, restaurants, casinos, and hotels, preservation mechanisms and systems to, to preserve products. So I've got some patents and IoT devices in that space. And then prior to that, I was in textile. So I spent about 10 years um, in juniors and young men's apparel. And that took me from South Florida to New York to LA to all over the world. So we're in about 32 countries. So that's been kind of my trajectory, but uh, serial entrepreneur um, my whole life. So this is the latest and the greatest. And I remember when you did um, an interview with me, actually, specifically just solo on Slick Talk, and you were talking about how old were you when you you were like a super genius as a kid, right? <laughs> I was. I was still is. Still is. <laughs> I was hard and bored. So that meant, um, you know, I did well in school up until I decided that I'd aged out of it myself. 
Mm. Uh, so I ultimately actually dropped out of high school uh, and enrolled in college full time when I was 16. Um, and then subsequently dropped out of college to start my first company. So uh, <laughs> I took I took really an alternative route uh, to get to where I am today. Well, well you're coming yeah, past the Elon Musk from the from the industry, but actually maybe Cindy is then. Ah! <laughs> I, I could I could only imagine. <laughs> uh, I can only dream so big. Cindy, what's the the most exciting piece of of launching a Ryan House? Is it bringing the whole resident home sharing thought to market? Is it like truly blending the communities? Is it the affordable housing piece? Is it you know opening up travel to to new locations or to new markets? Um, that's a great question. That's one that I have not been asked before, but I have to tell you, this is a lifestyle that really affords so much um, for anyone. And when I started hosting, you know, I, I just told you I was a serial entrepreneur, which means that um, it's feast or famine almost all the time, meaning, you know, <laughs> some days and some weeks and some months, I'm quite flush and others, um, you know, I was I was wondering how I was going to pay the rent and Airbnb ended up being a mechanism for me at the time to pursue my entrepreneurial ventures. Um, and it gave me the room that I needed to explore um, businesses and, and launch and fail. Um, and so it's always been such a utility for me that, you know, I wanted to open that up to a broader audience. Um, because everybody should have that same opportunity. You know, I mean, if you've got an asset or you have a home um, or you're a renter, you know, renters pay the mortgage essentially for the property owners. They should be uh, able to do what they want with their home within reason. Um, and we, you know, are launching a product that really provides the infrastructure and the stability in order to make that a reality without disturbing, um, you know, what is otherwise a pretty comfortable living environment. So I think, you know, Michael, offering this flexible living solution to everyone and um, you know or to to the best of our ability um to the marketplace that wants it you know i think it's a great tool i think you know obviously we're a for-profit company but there's a lot of me that is driven by you know enhancing the quality of life and lifestyle for others and i think this does just that so I, I've been in the industry for six or seven years now. And prior to Noiseware, I spoke with a lot of multifamily asset owners. And it was a pretty sharp hell no to, to short-term rentals five, six, seven years ago. Yep. How and what has changed in the past you know, four or five years to go from absolutely not, like, not going to touch short-term rentals to short-term rentals as an amenity? It, well, you described it perfectly. It was an absolutely not a chance in, in our building. You know, we don't want it here. You know, short-term rentals are our biggest enemy, right? And it was because it was really disruptive because what, and, and, it, and it really is all over the map. Generally, travelers are really good tenants um, because we're the same people that live in the buildings year round. You don't, you don't just change. Like when you become a traveler, you're an asshole. Um, excuse my, <laughs> you're just a normal person that, that is now visiting another city. Um, and so this whole idea that, that they're the worst, uh, you know, was something that we came up against. Um, you know, you had worked with us or we'd worked together for years, kind of battling the same issues. Um, and there was a huge stigma around short-term rentals. And I think it was really, 
largely focused on Airbnb because it was such a young platform. Um, it didn't mean that the travelers were bad. It was just, you know, there was a bit of an unpredictable nature for how a stay would go. And, you know, disparity of expectations from the host, what they're expecting, you know, a guest to do and from fellow residents, like how they believe that others should, you know, treat their buildings and, and behave in their environments. And so, you know, creating a system and, and my first company, Nito um, and Ativo, we had built infrastructure and, and kind of security systems in place to make sure that we didn't have issues on site. And if there were issues that we were able to legally address them quickly um, to, to preserve the, the quality of living for our annual residents. Um, and I think by instilling that that security and that safety level um, and, you know, regulating the noise to, you know, to your products point noise aware, which is so fabulous. Um, but only 50% of the complaints on NoiseAware are from travelers. The other 50% are residents. So that resident that's making noise at 3 a.m. is doing it all year versus a traveler that might come in for two or three nights. Um, so, you know, like I said, people are who they are. So whether you're a traveler or you're a resident, the behavior is what it is. And it, they're no better or no worse. They're all the same. Um, and just, you know, managing expectations of how you can behave in a residential community on a short and on a vacation stay, um, I think takes a lot of the issues and the friction points out of it. I think the biggest problems really uh, exist when it goes unregulated, meaning when they're doing it when it's not allowed and they're hiding the behavior, you know, you're exchanging keys in the lobby and you say, oh, it's a friend or it's a cousin or, you know, whatever it is to get the guests to be able to come and use your space because it's not allowed in your lease. That, then the manager, the property manager, the owner has no ability to regulate it. Um, and so by, by enforcing rules and quiet hours and, you know, limiting the number of guests, we're able to maintain the integrity of these buildings so that everybody has an enjoyable environment to live and to stay. And so I guess in a very, very long way um, of saying, I think everything that the industry has done has set the table for today where there's so much more commercial adoption. And so it's, you know, it's companies like Noise Aware and like Orion House and like Nido and Airbnb and VRBO that are putting in these, um, you know, these regulations to manage that behavior. Now the property owner goes, OK, I get it. OK, so we can we can do this in a, you know, in a stabilized fashion and I can make more money and my residents can make more money. They're more financially secure. My collections are more secure. We've got more money in the kitty to, you know, to improve the property or add amenities or add staff. Um, it's just a win-win-win across the board, but it, it's been this inertia from thousands of individuals, millions, really, the hosts on Airbnb that have really um, been working uni in a unified fashion as yeah. well as us as entrepreneurs. I think I think the inertia piece is super spot on. It's you've got companies like Sonder who are going public at what two plus billion dollars, two point five, who've been master leasing units in these yeah. multifamily buildings, and now these operators are saying, "Well, like I want to participate. Like I want to participate in the upside," and so it, it makes total sense. And then you're right, like. You know, once once the automobile had street, you know, streets and stop signs and seatbelts yeah. and all that, the industry became a lot safer yeah. and more widely adopted. And I think, you know, we're kind of in that that phase of transitioning from like 
the wild west where cars are just like <laughs> weaving all around everybody to like all right now we've at least got lanes to stay in we've yeah. got some, some safeguards and i'm sure technology will continue to improve to to continue to layer on some additional safeguards but yeah i think right now we're we're at the tipping point of, of mass adoption and and acceptability and um you know it's similar to to how dogs were never allowed in multifamily buildings and then now they're an upcharge and an amenity right so uh short-term rentals can be an upcharge and an amenity for for every asset ever what's interesting well, because oh sorry oh no no go ahead i was just gonna say it overall just comes down to the professionalization of how you operate it's not just a you know air mattress in someone else's spare bedroom now it's it's a real professional asset that that is operated with professionals that know what they're doing. That's okay. You mentioned dogs and they hear you, so for sure. No, but I just to add in here, and um, if you look at Europe, I think you just, Cindy just mentioned five years ago, things were behind and now it seems to be accepted. I think still in Europe, I think in, in Europe it's less accepted so far, right? The whole STRification event, or you see individuals just put some properties on Airbnb, that's pretty it. I think it's not in, still in Europe. It's not as professional as I think in, and accepted, I think, also as in the US. So I think the situation described five years ago, I think, might be the situation now here in Europe. So I think it takes a few years before it's as, as professional as it is in, in Europe. This is my opinion. Because still in here, it's pretty like still short-term rental, vacation rentals, be it like, okay, you see some properties, you might book something in Airbnb, but have it really professional managed or uh, having tools out there or whatever. Well, Michael can confirm, I think you, your, your market in the Europe is much smaller um, because in here it's not so professional so far. So I think this is what you might see now in the US, might take a few years before you see it moving uh, into Europe. I don't know, what's, what's any things from this? Um, I love the European market and I actually have kind of mixed, mixed feelings about how it runs because I feel like from a boutique operator's perspective, Europe has got a really established kind of ecosystem of these boutique stays. At least that's what I've experienced. You know, I've been traveling through VRBR or Airbnb in Europe for at least a decade. Um, and they're they're normally run as like little guest houses, but it's in theory kind of the same thing. Um, but I think one of the things that really differs between the States and Europe is the concept of multifamily just in general. Um, our institutional multifamily product is just very, very different than what's offered in Europe. Um, and I, I don't want to say this generally, but for the large majority of, of certainly Western um, and some of Eastern Europe that I've experienced just doesn't have multifamily uh, inventory the same way that the States is built out. Um, you've got a lot of condo type product where you've got individual owners um, and not necessarily as organized, you know, with, with homeowners associations where there's, mm -hmm. you know, management boards that are taking care of the communities and, you know, they regulate it um, on an owner by owner basis almost versus where here we've got really strict regimented management. And, you know, whether you're an owner or a renter, there are, there are bylaws essentially that you have to follow, you know, in either your ownership agreement or your lease agreement. And that's coming from really an institutional level. Um, so you've got these operators that own hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of units that are saying this is how the community is run. And once we adopt behavior, meaning we're going to we're going to add these rules to the pool, we're going to add these rules to animals, we're going to add these rules to short term rentals, then it's really coming from an institutional perspective versus 
you know, in Europe, you've got a lot of pockets of mom and pops. You've got six units. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. We've got 350, 1,000 units per community. So it's just, you know, we've got a lot more density with the same owner that then gets to apply it to mass inventory. Um, and, and I haven't really encountered that same type of management structure or ownership structure in much of Europe that we've explored thus far and South America. You know, I mean, we've got the same issues down there. Um, and some of the other issues are, are tenants' rights, you know, and that comes down to a state by state and country by country issue. Tenants' mm -hmm. rights in a lot of um, foreign territories are so much greater than landlord rights. So you get a lot of issues with squatting in different countries. And so when, when a short-term renter comes in, it's hard in some cases to get rid of them. Whereas in America, we've got regulations, and again, state by state, because I know everybody sees the nightmares in California, yeah. um, but to, to remove tenants, just like you would from a hotel, um, we don't have that ability in a lot of places around the world. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a really good point. And the one thing that always comes to my mind when you come to like residential hospitality, in the sense of doing these longer stays, or even just finding a... I don't know, a solution that comes down to the, the rights of the operator versus the, the guest itself. It's always a, a different one because, like you said, state by state, like we literally just got done with one of our properties that had a tenant in it all year. No rent all year because of uh, obviously COVID, but a lot of other reasons, too, because everything's favored on their end. So it's always a little bit different state by state, city by city, county by county. Um, so it's really interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. What, um Cindy, what's the like five year, 10 year vision? Like when you launch with 1500 units and become, you know, a top 10 operator in the country, like what, what's the, the big vision five years from now if you're already starting from such a, a high point, high level? Well, I love that you say that, but remember this is now six years in work. So <laughs> yeah. just out of the gate, you know, I mean, I had a lot of pre-existing relationships like with you folks here. Um, that set us up for for success really fast. Um, so it, this this is a long time coming. That's like you know every entrepreneur has a bunch of failures. So I've got a lot yeah. of them. They yep. got me you know to hopefully this great success. Um, but I think you know for the for the long term, we really want to see commercial adoption of this product. Um, you know not only through our own company but through all of our partners. And we do collaborate you know domestically with other competitive operators because. I think there's plenty of room in this pool for many. And, you know, what we were talking about before we even got on here, it was the inertia behind the entire industry and the, the hosts themselves and the travelers themselves is what is making this such a massive success because everybody wants it. Like done right, it's a win-win-win. Um, yep. So, you know, we look to scale, obviously, as quickly as we can within reason. Um, but I do want to be, you know, take this business internationally because my philosophy is why not? Um, you know, especially, you know, a lot of the international markets that we're going into will be through joint ventures or licensing partnerships to take this business model and all of the tools that we're integrating into it and applying it to different marketplaces and different buildings all over the world. In that, in that respect, we should be able to scale. Like, let's take that infrastructure and that, you know, the best practices of how to create a great ecosystem and kind of this harmonious solution between long-term renters and or, you know, condo owners and the short-term renter. 
Um, so we look to, to go international relatively quickly. Um, you know, Europe is obviously very interesting to us because we love it there and we have a passion for travel. That's why we got into this business in the first place. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. So that that is, uh, you know, the international marketplace is next. We're, we're starting here, obviously, because this is our backyard. Um, but we do want to go international as quickly as we can. Uh, my question would be for you. So this inventory that you guys are starting out with uh, is pretty unique. So can you describe, I guess, maybe the, not the, like pros and cons, but more of the, the uniqueness behind what you're about to do with these 10 um, buildings across the country right now? Yeah. So this particular inventory is um, coming from secondary and tertiary markets. Um, it's currently kind of underutilized and depressed hotel inventory that is being repurposed um, for multifamily housing that is short-term rental friendly. So right now the properties are sitting at lower than market occupancy rates. You know, um, in fact, the markets are just generally depressed both from COVID and from uh, travel behavioral trends that have shifted. Um, and you know, there's a lack of affordable housing as well in these markets. So we said, why, why is this inventory sitting dormant when it could actually provide housing and still also be on the supply side for hotels? So that's what we're really doing is we're taking, you know, call it 50% of any building that the 1500 units or 1600 units is half of that inventory. Mm. So, you know, there's an equivalent amount that's staying as um, hotel product and it's just being repurposed as primary primarily residential, which allows short-term rentals. So we're taking those um, hotel rooms, converting them into micro apartment units and leasing them up on an annualized basis. And then those renters um, are then able to do short-term rentals as well. So it's, it's twofold. Are, are there any additional components to these buildings like restaurants or coffee shops or co-working or? They all have a full hotel amenities, F&B, pools, you know, outdoor spaces, common areas, um, business centers, et cetera. Um, some will have, or, or some have more real estate than others, meaning we've got some, you know, kind of garden style communities as well as towers. Um, so it's a mixed bag in terms of uh, like the overall square footage per property, but they all have, you know, food and beverage like you would find in a hotel traditionally. Well, Michael said in the co-working, we discussed it a few times in here in the, in the show. Right, you, you're planning there as well. So, because of course, it's just like you see the people moving, uh, additional nomads have become more and more popular. So, you're planning some some things there as well. Yeah. So, we're not going to have traditional co-working in the sense that we're going to allocate like a floor to cubicles. We will have phone booths and workspaces, um, and that's just as an amenity. So, we won't be a, a co-working provider in the sense that we will be taking an outside. Um, subscribers or users, but it will be an amenity that's provided to all of the existing residents. Yeah, it's super cool. If you need a change of scenery or person you're living with, you know, yeah. you need some space for some quiet and, and get on, get some work done. Yeah, it make, makes perfect sense. I love it. Yep, absolutely. Well, and I want to ask, so like with half of the inventory being hotel and you have it operating as a hotel, um, what's going to be the difference when it comes to the like uh, turnover with guests and because you're mostly going to be focusing on tenants, but those tenants are going to have that ability to do a home share option. So what do you think that's going to look like when it comes to the actual uh, tenant that's leased up into the building? Uh, what do you think that behavior is going to be like when it comes to like the stay, all that type of stuff, how that amount of times that they open up their calendar? What yeah. do you think that's going to be? 
Well, you know, the, the big thing here is that people that rent in our communities are coming there specifically to do home sharing. Um, so we don't expect to have many residents that are, you know, really stationary. Um, you know, some of the markets lend themselves more than others to, to full-time and professional hosts of which, you know, we have a big wait list of just pro hosts that want to rent in our buildings. Um, and so I think it's going <laughs> it's, it's to be a mixed bag. Um, you know, our wait list really is almost 50, 50 of, uh, primary residents that are going to use this as their main home and professional hosts that are going to be doing this, um, you know, to make extra money. So they need to yield in excess of what their their core expenses are. Um, and so it's really going to go by building by building. Now, I will tell you, we do revenue management on behalf of our residents um, and provide them a bunch of tools so that they know when the high volume or high revenue days are um, and when is good for them to travel in other markets that might be much cheaper for them to go and experience while they can, they can um, yield more revenue on their own home. So we have a lot of programming kind of in place to stimulate travel um, so that our residents do get to earn the most amount of money. Um, for those that are not professional hosts, if they're, if they're primary residents, we're going to say, look, you know, Memphis is on fire this weekend or Nashville's on fire this weekend. Here's all the things that are going on. Average daily rates are 500 or 750, whatever it is for these big events. Um, however, Chicago is a great place to go right now. You know, ADRs right. in Chicago are $80 or $100. Like, let's get you to Chicago and let's help you make an extra $1,000 um, in Nashville or Memphis. So, you know, providing them with the tools and also the staff and support to, to be able to facilitate that. You know, I know a lot of people are nomads at this point where they're doing a month here and a few weeks here and, you know, just really moving around and saying, wow, what a great deal in Sonoma. Let's go to Sonoma. I've always wanted to go. Um, and now that, that working remote is giving them that flexibility, they're almost city hopping just because they can, right? Yeah. Sounds like you might be a nomad here soon, Cindy, huh? Oh, God. Well, I, well, I've been a nomad for a long time. I spent part of this year living on my boat. So like, right. <laughs> I know how to uh, live with, with very little. Um, but giving them that opportunity to explore, giving them the tools to make it a reality financially. You know, we're partnering with um, Amtrak to provide train solutions and bus solutions, you know, especially for people that that are trying to to benefit the most in cash. They might not want to spend their money flying mm -hmm. or driving. Um, so we want to have different mechanisms to get them out and about so that they are able to preserve that upside as much as possible. If I'm correct, because Michael asked you, okay, your your coming your five year plans, I, I guess. But if I look at what you're offering, I think you have two solutions. One, one is the full managed one, and the one is is not the full managed one. What where you, you see the growth? Is it in the full managed one or? Ah, uh, that's a really good question. Look, I think to scale, it's going to come from from a software and kind of business mm -hmm. trade practices licensing deal and branding, which would would be the unmanaged solution to a small mm -hmm. degree, maybe just doing the back office for them, but not being the physical bodies on site. Um, mm -hmm. That's what allows us to really scale. Um, and so I would guess that that would be the vehicle for the most amount of growth in terms of unit count. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our upside really is when we are, it, it, we, we've got a, a multi-pronged revenue um, stream. So we do get paid a couple different ways. But mm -hmm. where we see the most amount of profitability is when we have, you know, a vertical business where we're, we're not only the back office and the, and the technology solution, um, 
you know, integrated with all of our partners, but while we're also the bodies that are on site working on the conversion, doing the lease up, you know, and um, getting the right tenants in there and then also getting them onboarded into the home sharing program. So that's where we really see our, our numbers go way up because, you know, there's still an obstacle to get people to let others in their home. You know, it, it still is an emotional, it's an intellectual thing that like, is it really worth it? Is it really worth two or $300 a night, you know, for me to risk somebody staying in my house or, you know, to be displaced? Oh, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to stay at my boyfriend's or my parents or whatever it is. Getting them to, to start on that behavior is such a critical juncture for volume and profitability because then they get into it and they go, oh my God, I, I just made 600 bucks and okay, now it's not so bad. I don't really mind somebody else using my toothpaste and sleeping in my bed. Um, okay, how can I do it better? And then they get into hosting and it really mm -hmm. becomes almost like a people business. So if you can get your host to really adopt, like our tenants to really adopt the behavior, they push it forward so much more. So mm -hmm. you know, having that fully integrated solution is where we, we see our most, um, you know, the most amount of value add especially when you still need, you know, the resident adoption. Um, and we think this is a huge marketplace. There's, you know, 7 million individual hosts, I think, at this point around the world on platform, mm -hmm. give or take. If, if I'm wrong, you guys, please correct me. Um, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. You just count them, Will? Yeah. But huh? about that you just count them, right? Quickly. Yeah, I just, count, I just counted in my head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 7 million. So think about how many people are on the planet. Like, we think this is a really big, mature market, but it's just getting started. I still very much believe it's in its most nascent stages. And, you know, by by enabling residents and empowering them to do this themselves, they can carry it with them wherever they go. Now, mm. our objective as Orion House is that they stay in our network, right? Like the reason why we want to manage as many buildings as we can as possible is that that when you move out of Chicago and you're looking for a place in St. Louis and you go, I love staying there because I like, you know, the flexible housing, I like the Airbnb or VRBO portion of it. What do you have in, in St. Louis? We've got a property for you there. No problem. You know, we've got a property anywhere or we can refer it to, you know, our managed partners where we say we don't manage the building, but these are partners of ours and keep them in our affiliate network. Um, Please. You see, as, as the guys knows, I'm a big believer of the membership academy. You see it also from the STR space or for, for, the, for your travelers yeah. to come into like a membership and you can stay in the Orion houses and you just have a discounted fee or unlimited stay, et cetera, in so different places. That, yeah, we offer that to our, um, to our residents, certainly. Okay. And then we have a rewards program that we'll be launching shortly after this initial launch um, for travelers. So we do want to oh. keep people in our ecosystems. Um, you know, we want to leverage... Especially so, you know, in multifamily, there's always about 5% of inventory that goes unleased. Um, that inventory will be for fully furnished and will also be monetized on a short-term rental basis as dedicated kind of quote-unquote hotel units. So we're going to use those units both for our residents and give them, you know, free weekends for their family or whatever to come and stay. Um, and also for shoulder nights, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll tack on, you know, or give them early check-ins and late checkouts where available. So we really do want to add value. Like, you know, obviously those are all, or um, tools for us to monetize, but there, there's a lot of other ways that we win uh, goodwill with our residents, with our travelers, and we've got that currency, that that uh, that extra hotel room um, that we can give out and use that, you know, for our benefit. So that's both for our residents to stay in our ecosystem, 
Um, you know, if we've got an extra room, you know, on either end of their trip, we'll say, hey, do you guys want to, you know, to extend your stay? It's on us. Or if you're in a city and there's an Orion house there, we'll let you call us for a day pass. You can go use those amenities, you know, go to the pool, use the, the um, office center, whatever it is that they want. But um, we're very much into giving back within reason um, and making sure, you know, that that we're properly like optimizing our communities and filling them up and, you know, getting them used Um while still, you know, managing the amount of usage so that we that we don't have, uh, you know, wild raging parties. Yeah, <laughs> we can help with that. But so, Cindy, there's <laughs> two points that are really interesting. One, like getting people over the hosting hurdle. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of people, it's like, yeah, I don't want somebody sleeping in my bed. Yeah. But if you think about the flip side, like, have you ever slept in someone else's bed? Or have you ever slept in... Uh, a hotel room, right? Like where thousands of people have slept on that bed. So it's not, it's a simple like mind shift, but as soon as the money starts coming in, it really helps. It shifts faster. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a big incentive to do it. And then the flip, the, the other side is professionals do a great job of, of knowing exactly what you're walking into and, and making sure it's clean and everything well-designed. But the best, some of the best days I've ever had were with single hosts because they have the time to think about my unit and the traveler and asking questions. Hey, like, what are you doing in town? Oh, I want to do a tour of the breweries. Great. Then you bring them like a variety six pack of beers so they can try them when they check in. Right. Like there's little things that you can do as a single host that you can never do as a professional uh, profitably at scale. So it's, it's bringing the best of both worlds there. So it's awesome. And we do source a lot of information from our community hosts and just say, you know, what are you, what are you guys recommending right now? Where are the bars and restaurants? We also have our, um, our corporate events manager goes out into the marketplace and talks with local restaurants and bars and uh, entertainment venues to, to try and create relationships with them. If it's just a referral thing, or if you get some type of discount for staying on property, um, so we're, we're sourcing both from our residents and then also from surrounding businesses. Um, and that's kind of an ongoing thing. And that, you know, I mean, especially when new, new um, restaurants will open, you know, mm-hmm. we see them coming to us saying like, hey, can we do something on your communities and we'll do a pop up, you know, barbecue truck or whatever. So that they they're getting kind of that that cross marketing. Um, and we do that, like you said, you know, from from a commercial perspective <clears throat> to add value. But then you get you get really the intimate thing where you go, oh, Jeff's my favorite bartender down at the brewery. Like, go see him um, because I'm there every Friday and Saturday, right? So yeah. we we get the real localized flavor from an actual resident who sits at that bar and talks to that person or goes to that yoga class. Um, and then we also get it from a corporate perspective where we say, look, we want to add as much value as we can. What can you? What can we do together? You know, we've got 700 residents in this building. What, how can we put something together with y'all? And normally we find some interesting ways to do it. That person, I don't think I've, I've met them, but it sounds like they have one of the best jobs in the world. Like they just get yeah. to go out and socialize <laughs> and talk about the best bars and restaurants and eat at them and make recommendations. Yeah. You also does um, some of our like philanthropic stuff. So it's really like, it's more kind of lifestyle uh, perspective and also, you know, resident adoption of the amenities so we stimulate a bunch of different activities on site we also um do you know the charitable days and fundraisers and give backs on rent payments for example so if you want to donate to a charity we do that 
he organized kind of all of that stuff. So totally on the fun front, I think it's all fun. Um, but yeah, he gets to go sample markets um, and say, this is the best of the best. He gets to eat everywhere and drink everywhere and go to listen to every live music show and say, these are my people and we love this. And, you know, we, he spends about a week in every city and like just running around. Um, and then we also do a lot of on-site programming. So the stuff that we go out into the community and touch, then we we ask them to come back and, and do stuff with us. But yeah, it's a good job. It's Diego. He was I was gonna say, can I uh, can I switch? Is that is that does that happen? Can we can we switch jobs? <laughs> uh, I, he's quite he's really good at what he does, but you know everybody wants to make a change sometimes. So I just, I just, <laughs> just playing. That's awesome though. That's super cool. Yeah. I love that too because it really really t like goes into the the hospitality aspect. It's not just uh, sign a lease, pay your rent, you know go on Airbnb, you're really focusing on making it a, like, I, I even remember when we were talking about the Nito thing, like just the overall, you're, you're shaping it to get over those hurdles. So yeah, someone's going to be staying in your bed, but like there's a certain spot for all your stuff and all this other, like you're going to have professional linens and laundry and housekeeping and all this is going to go into it to get over that hurdle of the unprofessionalized, the, the, what do I do if uh, I guess, you know, I, I have family photos or I have this, I have that, like it gets rid of that, that barrier. And I love that. I think it's really nice. So it also provides stability. Like your traveler knows what they're getting. You know, yeah. I love the unique experience, but I also look at kind of the photos and I'm like, eh, there's an awful lot of colored linen in there. Meaning like, is it not that clean? Cause you know, when it's bright white, like it's yeah. And the other stuff might just not be getting washed. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're basically bringing the Airbnb tagline of live like a local to reality, right? Yeah. Like you're helping them accelerate and know the local spots and know the local, like live in a local building. And it's really cool. And yeah. a lot of what we do, I want to put out there, like, you know, obviously, again, we're for profit and we look at all the different ways that we can maximize our income and revenue potential. Um, but much of the added value that we do is at no cost, right? So all of these like relationships we set up with different vendors, it's not like we're running a big concierge desk where everything is $100, where it's like, I can do that myself. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can Google on TripAdvisor and I can find a place that I can go and pay money. Um, and so we try and do stuff so that we really add value or we get discounted rates so that we can pass that on to our guests and to both our residents and our travelers. Um, so a lot of, you know, especially Diego's objectives, but also, you know, every piece we look at, you know, and, and Michael can attest to this, um, you know, we squeeze our vendors really hard so we can pass on value. Um, and that is because we want people to adapt whatever it is, the technology, the restaurant, the food, the classes, the anything. Um, and, you know, sampling historically is the best way to get a user. You know, that's why you test drive cars. You, it's one of the only products you ever you get a test before you buy. You don't get a pre live in a house. Um, you get a pre live in a car. Well, you do um, now at the Ryan House. You can uh, well, here stay in a unit that's just like yours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, we always use the car industry as an analogy because, like, why does multifamily not behave like that when that's the single largest check that everybody writes every month? Like mm -hmm. BMW, the minute that you that you even sniff a BMW, they are all over you for life. You know, they're all over you for life. Like you are never going to get away from that brand, especially forget about it. When you buy one, you're in the ecosystem. You know, you're <laughs> everything you could, whatever you want, just make sure that when you, when you get a new car, it is with us. Right. But we want to very much be that same attitude. Like we want to be able to provide 
the quality of living, the revenue opportunities, the lifestyle, so that when you move, you still want to live with a Ryan house. Like, I loved all the perks. I don't want to lose my perks. Well, where are you next? And that's where, like, you know, we want to keep having them come back. But we also want to take care of that resident because, again, we're the most important check that they write every single month. And as a renter, traditionally, you get an invoice every month and it's like, pay your rent. And when you're three days late, you get a fine. Um, it's just it's just totally backwards in terms of how people approach renters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be exciting times. I, I'm excited to see it all, all play out. And um, I'm just thinking, it, like, even, yeah, we can go on for, like, hours on this episode. I know we could. Uh, but just, like, the overall aspect of your rent's a set rate, but you, you home share it most of the time. Your rent is most likely going to be covered, and then you're just going to be making profit, actually. So you're not even writing that fat check anymore. You're making $600, $1,000 a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's a, it's a really good win, especially if you're – I'm just saying yeah, there's all these certain aspects that go into it and different variables, but I think it's really exciting and I'm excited to watch this uh, 10 buildings uh, sign turn into a hundred buildings signed by the way. <laughs> it's going to be good stuff. <laughs> We're hiring. Awesome. Anybody knows. <laughs> I'll put that, I'll put an application in the comments. No, I'm not curious, I don't even know our hiring section on the website, but anybody's listening to this and watching is interested let us know please especially in jackson or memphis or tulsa or nashville or orlando diego's already got <laughs> you know <laughs> one of him though and there's a lot of cities so we do need other people to like actually help us sort, you know stuff to do on a dime yeah that's awesome. Well, Cindy, I just want to say thank you for being on the show with us uh, this morning, uh, getting to join in and kind of talk about the Orion House model and, of course, the announcement today. That's uh, really exciting. I'm really excited to, to watch it play out. So thank you again. Thank you all so much. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate your time. Thanks. All right. See you guys Bye. next week. See ya. <laughs>